Welcome back to Therefore Podcast. I'm Megan Martin. I'm Judy Mustaine. And we are continuing our study through the book of Job today. And I, I think we're going to um, kind of just dissect Job chapter three. And we were talking about this before the episode and we kept saying, content, content, stop talking. But this one's a rough one, I think. So Job is um, wishing that he had never been born. It's a pretty tough day. That, yeah. Yeah. So my NIV, it just says that after this, after all this, so remember at the end of chapter two, Job is covered in, we don't even know what, boils of some sort of something that he's trying to like scrape off of his skin. And he's sitting out under a tree, right? And his three friends come and they sit with him for a week, seven days, seven nights, and no one talks for seven days or seven nights. And then they still don't talk. But Job jumps right in finally. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And this is what he said. May the day of my birth perish, as and the night it was said, a boy is conceived. If only that day had turned to darkness. May God above disregard it. May no light shine upon it. May darkness and gloom reclaim it, and a cloud settle over it. May the blackness of the day overwhelm it. If only darkness had taken that night away. May it not appear among the days of the year. May it never be entered in any of the months. Behold, may that night be barren. May no joyful voice come into it. May it be cursed by those who curse the day, those prepared to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars grow dark. May it wait in vain for daylight. May it not see the breaking of dawn. For that night did the did for that night did not shut the doors of the womb to hide the sorrow from my eyes. He had a lot to say, and he still keeps going. But like, wow! Once he started talking, he started talking. Yes, you can definitely tell. Um... I believe he's in the in the first stages of of grief, and he's also fighting what I would consider to be obviously hope deferred. I mean, he can't find hope anywhere. Um, doesn't matter where he looks; he it doesn't seem to be able to find um, the light of hope. You know, through all of this, Satan was you know really confident that he was going to be able to. Um, to push Job. And his goal really was to get him to curse God. Yeah. I mean, straight up says that through his wife. But Job, in his deep distress, curses the day of his own birth. Yeah, he never touches. But not God. Yeah, the Lord. No. So I wonder what Satan's thought of that was. Like, what is it going to take, man, to, you know, to get this guy? We're obviously seeing the humanness of Job in yeah. in this piece where he's really just not finding hope in in his calamity, really. Um, and who's to say that had we walked through anything like that, that we that the words that come out of our mouth wouldn't sound very similar? I think it's kind of I don't want to say refreshing. That's not the right word, but it's like when we read about King David and we realize that. He was just a man. Yeah. Like he wasn't perfect. He made, you know, mistakes. Job is just a man. And even though God himself was bragging on him in in heaven, I mean, he still had to endure human life yeah. and well, human I- life with a like a little added um, spiritual war- warfare yeah. that, you know, overtook his whole world. Well, I think it's nice 
that all throughout the Bible, he makes everyone in there relatable. Um, I need somebody to relate to. I need to be able to see how this works in my life. And so it's nice, you know, even in the New Testament, it talks about how Elijah was just a man like you and mm-hmm. I. I mean, it's reiterated throughout the entire word. And because I think God wants us to always realize that um, everyone that is in here is relatable, that they're not perfect, um, that they had struggles, yeah. obviously, trials, tribulations, and they were human. It's almost like we're moving into a new or the next section of Job's suffering. Mm-hmm. So we've been through catastrophic loss of everything he owned, but more importantly, his children, all of them. And and now we've been through this overwhelming pain that he's in through physical affliction. But now it's like there's this new arena of suffering and that is his his mind yeah like he has to actually process yeah he actually has to deal with the um the thoughts you know like and that's a real thing i mean we talk about mental health so much but it's i think it's pretty clear that job is and i can't you can't even say like unreasonably he's depressed well you know the battle is always in our minds yeah. I mean, that's where we will fight every battle that that comes against us. And that's where we win and lose is yeah. on this battlefield. It'll be interesting to see over the next several chapters, like how does Job choose to think about all that's going on? Like how does he choose to think about his suffering? And how does he choose to eventually we see think about what others think about his suffering? And, you know, how does he choose to think about God in all of this? Because really his opinion of God doesn't change. No. Which, you know, was the core goal, but yeah. No, he stays steadfast mm-hmm. in that it's just in this moment we see this human side of him faltering in his thought process. And yeah. I, I don't even know if falter is a good word, but when you've had something so devastating that tomorrow doesn't look good for you. I know it's got to be very, very hard. You really, you know, that's why the Bible says we must, you know, capture those thoughts and bring them into captivity because literally they will take you down a downward spiral. It's interesting that, like, that we're talking about this, but really, like you said, the battle's always in the mind the loss that happened beforehand, the um, the physical pain that he's in, all of that is just the entry point mm-hmm. into this battle that's in his mind. We see it all the time when doctors are talking to patients who are dealing with like lifelong ailments or things that are going to incredibly affect their their quality of life, and they tell them always that you know your your mindset is is going to help or hinder you. I mean, if you give up, then things go downhill a lot faster than if you're fighting. And it seems to be that Job has proven that here. Like we're going to see a little bit into Job's mind. Well, you know, and the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart. We really have to be careful what we think about. We have to, in all actuality, think about what we're thinking about. Yeah. 
So Job is, yeah, so cursing the day of his birth. And then not even the day of his birth. He doesn't stop there. He actually goes back and curses the night of his conception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Job is like, it would be better if he would never born than to endure this this current moment. And in that moment, you can really kind of hear the grief, right. the depth of the grief that he's feeling, um, that we, he just wishes he wasn't here. We talked about that a little bit last week, that we we didn't really get to see the wife's, wife's perspective on that, except in that little, like, little moment of why don't you curse God and die peace. But for Job, we are getting this vivid insight into, into his heart, really. Well, and how vulnerable is he really that after seven days of not speaking, this is what's coming out of him. And I mean, really the whole, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I mean, because this is what he's been entertaining. This is what he's been thinking about. So this is what's coming out. You know, the Bible also says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, this is what's in his heart. This is what he's releasing. Um, it's, it's actually kind of hard to hear. It is. It, it's uncomfortable. It is. But real, mm-hmm. I think. I think we we go through those moments where like, the pain you're in is agonizing. And I hold too that we don't know the big picture. Like Job has no idea why he's going through all of this. He just knows that he is. And you know, what's interesting is that he is throughout most of this, he's speaking to God, even though his friends are there and he's having this conversation supposedly with them, he's speaking to God. It'll be interesting to see in the future when his friends are talking back, do they speak to God or do they speak about God. And how is that different for Job? I mean, he really is like calling on the Lord here. He's not really even talking to his friends. They just happen to be there while while he's lamenting. What an incredible insight that we're taken into uh, to the heart of a grieving man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very much, I think, probably full of hyperbole. Mm-hmm. You know, he he despises the day of his birth and wishes that the entire day could just be wiped off the calendar. Not just his birth, yeah. but like the day. Like there's no longer a September 9th or whatever, you know? I mean, so that's why I like. I think that there's a little bit of hyperbole in this, but I think that he uses it in a way to just to show this overflow of grief, but still not cursing God. I don't know that we're always that good. You know, when bad things happen to us, it seems to me, or in my life, I've seen a lot of people curse God, Mm -hmm. not necessarily the day or the affliction or the trouble that's come against them. Or, you know, Satan. Yeah. they, They seem to always want to curse God in these times. It's like he's an easy target. I wonder if it's because like, like children with parents, you know, he's not going anywhere. Like sometimes children lash out at their parents because they know that that's safe, you know, unconditional love. Yeah. How much more for God? Yeah. That doesn't excuse. It doesn't make it right. Like I would say the same thing to kids who are doing that to their parents, you know, like 
Right. That's not how you treat them. That's not, that's, in, you're not really mad at them. Ex- exactly. You're, you're mad at the circumstance. And, you know, I can remember when I walked through mine, I can remember just walking through this anger piece of grief. And I don't really remember being mad at anyone in particular. I was just angry. Mm-hmm. I was angry that life had happened to me the way that it had. I was angry that I couldn't change it. I was angry that other people hadn't went through it. I was angry that I had to. Yeah. I was angry that other people had to the ability and, and were able to keep their children and I couldn't mind. I I went through not understanding. But I don't remember ever being like angry at God or or mad at him. I just remember being angry in general. Right. That, that seems makes to be any where, sense. It seems to be where Job is. Yeah. He's just angry. Just angry that life had happened to me yeah. in that way. And I didn't understand it. And I think sometimes we always want these answers for things that we don't always have answers for. And that's frustrating. Yeah. That's our human nature to a degree. Yeah. To want to know. I think it's okay to ask God questions. Right. I don't think that's ever a problem. He seems to be okay with asking us questions. So, And I mean, Gideon even went a little further than just asking. He tested. Yeah. And what I love about Job is that there's still this wisdom piece inside of him. There's still some understanding inside of him that he doesn't blame God. He doesn't like what's happening to him, obviously, by all of these words. And like I said, it's almost like I'm sitting in on a intimate, personal conversation that's almost very uncomfortable for me to even sit in on. Like I need to kind of excuse myself and back away yes. around the corner. That's kind Just of how I feel when I'm reading that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels very, very vulnerable and very intimate and, and very grievous. And it's almost like one of those things It's it's very almost even tough to read. Like I said, yeah. I, I kind of want to back around the corner and maybe somebody else will sit in on that piece and tell me about it rather than really putting myself into it and thinking yeah. about what's going on in his heart and realizing that that maybe just maybe we've had some of those same thoughts. And how do we come out of that? I don't know how you go about um, your prayers, but I try to find ways to incorporate scripture mm-hmm. into my prayers. So, like, sure. so that I'm sometimes praying scripture. Here, Job actually kind of did the opposite of that. Like, so in Genesis chapter one, you know, he says, let there be light. And that's not what Job says. In Job chapter three, he says, as for that day, let there be darkness. Mm -hmm. So he's still relying on his understanding and knowledge and of scripture and, um, and speaking that back to God. I have a quote here in my commentary that says, giving the reins wholly to his grief, he roars and rages beyond all reason and had not the spirit held him back. He surely would have run headlong into blasphemy and desperation, which was Satan's design. Wow. What do you think about that? I think that's accurate. If the spirit hadn't held him back. Because I, I mean, I could fully see running headlong into, well, I mean, just at least to the, Desperation and the, you know. Yeah. Well, on this chapter alone, I mean, he's in a downward spiral. Yeah. That doesn't seem to be wanting to stop anytime soon. I mean, he seems like his 
sentences are full and very well thought out. And we were talking beforehand about what exactly is Leviathan. So my commentary has some thoughts on that. Um, but it says that Leviathan is was considered to be a mythical sea monster or dragon that terrorized sailors and fishermen. So what a weird thing to call upon. Those who are ready to arouse Leviathan. May it be cursed by those who curse the day. Those prepared to rouse Leviathan. Like he's just kind of like shooting from the hip on whatever's coming to his mind. He's throwing it out there. Because he also calls on like, um, may those who curse the day. Like, so who's that? Like sorcerers? Like, wow. Who curses the day? I wonder how many times we've been known to curse days. Nothing goes right for me today. Today's going to be just like the other days. Oh, it's Monday. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and actually at the end of Job, the Lord says that we can command the morning. But he's commanding the day. But in a negative tone. In a negative way. Yeah. And I think sometimes we do that without thinking. Right. It seems that we're more prone to speak negatively. Always. <laughs> I mean, over... And and here he is speaking it over his day, yeah, and days, his um, whole days, his whole his, life, his really, whole life. because he's yes, he's really, really cursing the cursing day himself, born. So yeah. I mean, that's really what he's it is. Cursing his life, yeah. And my life is no good, yeah. And he's he's just really just speaking something completely opposite of what the Lord ever says about our days. I don't believe that he believed that there was some sorcerer out there that was going to come curse his day. And I don't believe that he was really thinking that Leviathan was going to come. You know what I mean? I think he was just really using imagery of, of that time period to make a point and say like, this has been grievous. Yeah. The most horrible of experiences. I think sometimes when we're in those throes of grief, all of these things just begin to come out of us if we're not careful. And I think that that's where the enemy will really try to come at you. He's he's not an enemy who fights fair. He's no. not an enemy that says, hey, so when you're feeling better and you get out of the stages of grief, I'll come back and, I'll, I'll come back, and yeah. we can have this battle out. No, he's the enemy that um, kicks you below your belt and he's the enemy that kicks you when you're down and and he doesn't let you come up for air. There's There's no grace given. It's not in him. And especially when we're walking through hard times, especially when we're walking through grievous times, when we're not sure that we can face tomorrow, that we're not sure that there's actually going to be a light of day, even though we've lived through many lights of yes, days. Yes. And we're excited that we breathed in and we breathed out enough times that tomorrow came because we're not sure that it was going to come. Yeah. And actually, in all actuality, in some stages of grief, you don't even care that it does, which is exactly what he's walking through. And that's when I see the enemy just, I mean, almost like double down on you to break you. Well, yeah, because his goal is. Yeah. Yeah. To really just get you to curse God. Yeah. The the next like section of scripture is much of the same. Why did I not perish at birth? Why did I not die as I came from the womb? Um, you know, basically, why did my mom take care of me? Um for now, I could be lying down in peace and I would be asleep and at rest. 
with kings and counselors of the earth who built for themselves cities now in ruins or with princes who had gold who filled their houses with silver why was i not hidden like a stillborn child like an infant who never sees daylight well because he's he's really just consumed yeah in grief it's overwhelming for him it's overwhelming and in these moments um i can remember people when i was walking through um that grief period um people would say things Mm well-meaning and they would say well you know judy um god's going to use this to help others yeah and there's truth in that but at the moment right not very helpful not very helpful and i can remember thinking I didn't know if I even cared at the moment. I'm just going to be very vulnerable. And it was only because of the place that I was in grief. It wasn't against those people. It's just that I was so self-consumed by my own grief that I could not think outside of myself. And I think that's where he's at. I mean, there's obviously that pocket of wisdom that's inside of him that he's like, I know I'm I'm not going to curse God, but man, this is really, really tough right now. But you know, there's these moments that you're, not thinking outside of anything but your pain. It's tunnel vision. It is very tunnel vision. It's almost like you, like I can remember saying it was like I had a filter and right in front of me was all of the grief that I had walked through and I couldn't see um, anything in front of me without seeing that in front of me. And I think this is kind of where he's at and he's struggling in in a big, big way. And, you know, sometimes in the grief cycle, you're in that place longer than you want to be. Yeah. And you really have to, I always say, and I've heard people say that time heals. Well, yes, time does heal, but I think intention, intentionally, you have to intentionally heal. You have to be intentional about healing. You have to tell yourself that you're going to, that you're going to be okay. you make it through. Yeah. And that has to be your inner thought. Because if not, you'll continue down this downward spiral and you will really struggle getting up. So your your thought process has to be finding hope in the future or you're going to stay here. I think that we sometimes think that people who release those types of emotions are being sinful in those emotions. And I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe that God's going to hold the emotions of grief and despair. And, you know, I don't, I just don't believe that he does. No, I think he's very aware of where we are emotionally. He's very mindful of where we are. And he's all the while, the Bible says, making intercession for us. And there's no, there's nothing in this piece of scripture where we see Satan as victorious. No. Because Job's in despair at the moment. I just think we we look at people who are in depression sometimes or like the anxiety-ridden life and we think that that there must be a, a sin there or that there must be like a lack of trust or a lack of reliance on God or, or something. And that's just not, it's not biblical. It's not a biblical mindset. And who is it? Is it Francis Chan who says, if my thoughts disagree with the Bible, I have to assume that I'm wrong. That's good. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing biblical that says that people who are in an emotional state or who are dealing with depression are in any way 
giving Satan a victory by feeling those emotions. I think for me, walking through that, is that I had to continually really intentionalize my thought process. Even still today, no matter what we go through, you really have to focus and think about what you're thinking about. And you have to put your thoughts upon what the Word of God says about you and your life and your situation and that you're victorious, that you're an overcomer, mm-hmm. that you're going to win if you don't quit, that it's a, that these, even as difficult and hard as they are, you will overcome. Right. You will. I mean. You will. You will keep moving forward. You will. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to know. Yes. Is that the, the the world is and you are going to keep moving forward. Yes. I think that, Megan, that was one of the hardest things for me is that the world continued right. when mine seemed to have stopped. Um, and I can even remember being angry about that, that everybody's life went on, that life went on. I was even angry that life went on. Yeah. Because in my world at that time in my life, life had come to a sudden halt and a, a very hard halt. Um, one that was just really spinning out of control with emotions that I didn't even know what to do with. And so that, that is a piece of grief mm-hmm. is not knowing what to do when life goes on and really being forced to move. Right. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. It's not given to you. You know, I've heard people say, Judy, I don't know what I would do. Well, nobody's... Nobody knows what they would do until yeah, they have to do it. That's it. And and those choices are taken from us when we walk through those. But we do have the choice to trust in the Lord mm-hmm. and what he's... And the promises that he's given us that we will overcome and that he brings us out and that we trust in him even when we don't see it or hear it or feel it. You know, I always tell people that... Sometimes God isn't always sensual in the fact, meaning we don't always hear him and feel him and see him like we want to. Right. But it doesn't mean that he's not moving behind the scenes. Right. Well, we talked about this last week too. Like, so we will see God strengthen Job. We don't see him comfort Job for a while. I mean, even now, like in the midst of this, turmoil that he's this depression that he's just kind of like word vomiting all of everything so true there's and it's not that and and maybe it's not stated because job never questioned it but it's not like god just disappeared from his world you know i love what you said that he strengthened him you know because the bible says that the joy of the lord is my strength and in these moments you feel like the joy has really been stripped from you. And if you have no strength, you really can't move or fight or go on or live. Right. No wonder he had to strengthen him in this time. I'm so, I don't, I don't know. Like all of this thinking about Satan's perspective, looking in God's perspective, looking in, um, the friend's perspective, you know, everybody's view of this and only those of the spiritual realm would see the big picture, right? The friends are getting ready to make some grievous, you know, assumptions. But for God and Satan, it really is a, 
and, and, and God knows already. God knows. But Satan was waiting for that moment. It doesn't happen even in this. There's, there's no verse that says, and Satan was victorious in, in getting Job to crumble, you know, to crumble or to like that, that wasn't his, his goal. And so that wasn't his victory. The Lord's testing was not to sit, to see if Job could like sit around and not respond to what was happening. The test wasn't responding. The test was how, how will you respond? And my husband kind of lives by a, a quote that says, you know, you can't do anything about what other people say or do. The only thing you can control is how you, you respond, respond to that. It's true. Yeah. I think in everything. Yeah. In all of life, it's how we respond. Whether somebody hurt our feelings, whether we determine really our outcome, um, we determine the road that we travel um, in our heart and in our mind by how we respond. Yeah. Um, so in verse 20, it says, why is light given to the miserable? <laughs> Isn't that a question for anybody who is ever like, you know, we, we usually have the other, everything will look better in the morning, you know? Not, not to Job. Why is light given to the miserable and life to the bitter of soul who long for death that does not come and search for it like hidden treasure who rejoice and greatly exult when they find the grave? Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? I sigh when food is put before me and my groans pour out like water. I'm sure that's true. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that that part is probably not a hyperbole there. For the thing I feared has overtaken me, and what I dreaded has befallen me. I am not at ease or quiet. I have no rest, for trouble has come. I think we've all probably had those. Well, maybe not all. I hope not everyone has had those moments where they go, why are you just letting me go through this? Like, could you just make this end? And like you said, like you, it's not even so much that you hope for death. It's not that. It's just that you legitimately don't care. Yeah, I and I can remember wishing that I didn't feel that way. Like, I right. didn't want to be angry at the world. And I can remember even saying out loud, how long does this anger piece last? There was no timeline for you. No. Yeah. No. And I, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to feel that way. Obviously, none of us do. And I didn't like the process of grief. Um, I, I wasn't a good process person. I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like that I had to go through it. Nothing about the process of grief is, is easy. No. No, definitely not. In any part of grief, because you could grieve not just in the, the loss of, obviously, Job has lost his children, but you could have the loss of a, a job or, right. you know, the loss of who you are. Any Maybe kind you, of relationship or... Yeah. I mean, if you went through a divorce, the loss of who you are, your identity yes. is now completely different than what it was right. prior to. I can remember thinking, I have no idea who I am. Yes. I can remember when I got a divorce, all I had ever known was ministry and being a pastor's wife. And now all of that seemingly was stripped from me. Right. And I did not know who I was because who I was was connected to what I did. Right. And now that was no longer a part of my life. 
And I was grieving so many things. And that was just one of them. And I had no idea who I was. This commentary did um, make note that although he seemed, um, he, he stated that he longed for death, but it did not come. He never seems to consider suicide. Once again, that wisdom. Yeah. Peace. This is just the outpouring of like an agonized soul. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like sometimes you, you feel those things, but there's that peace in you that knows where the line is. You know, Megan, even in all of my grief, I can remember knowing that someday I would be okay. It just wasn't that day. Yeah. But I, I had hope even in the midst of not knowing how I got through that day, you know, and even in the midst of days running together and not remembering things and really just kind of fighting through life, really surviving. I wasn't really living. I was just surviving. And even in my head, I knew that to be true, but you're kind of on kind of autopilot. Like you just kind of go through the day, um, getting things done and going through that, but not, not really living that piece of living Yeah, for a minute. And I think, I think God understands that. Sure. And you hope that people understand. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I just want to interject it. When you walk through that, something that was tough for me at times was giving grace to people because I was so self-absorbed in my grief. Mm -hmm. Um, And not to hold that against them. People really, ultimately, I believe, mean well. Yeah. Sometimes the most well-intentioned are... It just doesn't. And sometimes they're just ill-informed right? about grief and what you're going through. And um, I, I love that Job's friends actually just sat beside him for yeah. seven days because they really didn't know what to say either. And sometimes yeah. I would tell people, um, I, it really wasn't about what you said. It was just yeah. that you were there. Yeah. You know, that maybe you sat beside me, maybe you hugged me and had no idea what to say. Maybe you cried with me. Maybe you held my hand. That yeah, meant the world to me. And I'm thankful for the, everyone who did all the other things as well. But sometimes I think we feel like we should have all these words of wisdom. And we're fixers. We're fixers. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And we want to fix it and we really don't know how to fix it. And right. you know, can't. Yeah. And, and just to know that that's okay. That when somebody's walking through that piece, that it's okay not to fix it. That maybe it's just okay to cry with them. Yeah. Hold their hand. Just to let them go through it. Yeah. Just check on them. The verse in here that talks about why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in. Yeah. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? You know, we were reading last week and Satan just straight up called God out on saying, well, you have protected this man. I don't know how much we do it in today's world. Maybe subconsciously we still do, but definitely back then and in past, you know, history, we have blamed people's troubles on their lack of faith. So my bonus son has a lot of special needs. Like there's a whole laundry list of things that this kiddo has been through. And there have legitimately been people who have said, you just got to have faith. He's going to come out of this. You got to have faith. 
I think we go back to what you were saying a little bit, that they're well-intentioned and they're trying to give you hope. But to say that to someone whose child has severe disabilities is kind of a slap on the face <laughs> to say, oh, you're telling me I don't have faith. I don't, I, I don't have faith. It doesn't, um, it doesn't correlate. And I think it does go back to people just wanting to be helpful, but Job is a perfect example of sometimes things happen and not because you did anything wrong. I mean, sometimes sin has consequences that are pretty far reaching. That is true. But that's not the case for everyone in every situation, in every, in every event. He actually, like, I think Job probably felt like, I'm sure he did probably question where, why, why are you letting me go through this? I'm sure that that question was there. Not ever a question of God or and never this cursing of God, but I'm sure that the question had to have been there. Like, do you like, do you think I've messed up? Like, do you think I'm, do you think I'm stepping away from you? What is going on here? I think it, it seems to be normal when we walk through things that we always say things like, why me? Mm-hmm. And why this? And right. We ask those kind of questions, which I think I'm sure he did. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> like through all of this, through all of this, his focus is still God. Which in my heart says that the depth of his heart and that shows me where his relationship is yeah, with the Lord and, and how there wasn't even... I don't know if I could say this, like folly in his words against the Lord. You know right. what I'm saying? Um, some foolishness toward God. It was, he was just angry. And, right. and agonized. Yes. It's almost like what he's really lost is, and I don't know that he's lost it, but he maybe feels that he lost it, this loss of peace with God and, or that connection with God, you know, Mm -hmm. because sometimes when things happen, it, it like, there's like, it's like a straight kick in the chest and you fly back about 20 feet (laughs) and you have to like pick up and dust yourself off. And it's really that whole sifting piece that I, you know, I'm seeing that we go through sometimes it, Mm -hmm. you know, even Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan desires to, to sift you like wheat, to shake. I don't like it. No. To shake everything about you, everything that you believe in, everything that you've stood for, everything, you know, in my life, everything that I preached, everything that I taught, everything that I stood for mm-hmm. was shaken to the to my very core. It's funny to me that Job has used this word hedge in, what verse is that? Verse 23. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? Because back in chapter one, Satan said, you've put this hedge of protection around him. That's it. And now Job is like, you have taken this hedge of protection and made it a hedge of like a lock, like a lockdown. I'm locked into this trial, this misery, peace. Yes. All of, all of this restriction. He's trapped. And he is, it's almost like Job does have a little bit of like an insight there, which he doesn't. It never says that, no, like no one clued him in. Just got to withstand this man. Cause like, 
this is yeah this is for all the marbles like and, and no one ever clues him in and says no. that but it's like he can sense that like god's hedge of protection is changed it is frustrating when you go through things like that when you can't find a reason why i think we always want a why makes things a little easier if i can pinpoint yeah. this happened because this yes that's really tough I think it's really tough to go through life with unanswered questions, especially when it pertains to our life and what's going on in our world mm. or things that we've walked through. Um, not having understanding seems to be very troublesome to us. Right. Which is ironic as we were just talking yeah. about Proverbs and how knowledge and wisdom and understanding are all seem to be different things, but you're right. Like we, we don't like not knowing. We don't. And it almost seems like we get angry because we don't know. And sometimes I think that we want to know answers before we're prepared for them. I mean, could I handle that? And if you know, why do you approach it the same way? Yeah. And I don't think you do. I don't know that we would see Job lamenting all of this if we knew, if he knew the original conversations. So if he, um, like if he had been able to see this from the very beginning, you know, all of these answers as to the question why he, God allowed him to continue on, because that's really Job's question right now. His question now is why, why are you, why am I still here? All this loss, all of this pain and agony, why am I still here? And there's a lot of reasons. Like it could be that, you know, obviously God had something to, as ironic as it sounds, teach Satan, um, to teach all the angelic beings and spiritual things, things. I don't know what else to call them. Beings, I guess. All spiritual beings. Job's faith coming out of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know how it is when we go through the valleys. I think it's kind of incredible that God knew he could. Doesn't that say a lot? Yeah. And that maybe, just maybe, that when we walk through things that God knew we could. Even though sometimes we don't feel like we can. Right. When we're right in the midst of it and we don't even understand how that could be possible. But we can. Yeah. And we do. And we will. And sometimes he allows you to go through those things for the sake of building that in you. Yeah. That faith. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that he is going to strengthen you, that he's going to sustain you, that he's yes. going to provide. All of those things that he is, yes. he will do. He will. And in those moments when I was struggling to breathe in and breathe out. Yeah. I'm now in the days that I prayed for. And now I can say, you can make it. You mm -hmm. will make it. You do make it. And because I made it, you can make it. Yeah. It's in those moments that God has brought you through and healed all those broken pieces in you that nobody knew about. It's in those moments that 
God healed you and nobody's seen you crying on your way to work and nobody's seen you as tears roll down your cheeks, you know, as you lay down at night for bed, nobody's seen Mm -hmm. Um, you taking breaks and having to walk around because you wasn't real sure if that day, if you could handle just that day. Yeah. I promise you will come to the day that you pray for and he will bring you out and bring you over and you will step through and you will be okay even though sometimes in those moments we don't think we will. God promises that he will always bring us through. That truth remains. And if we hang on to those words, we will. Because that's my hope. Yeah. And he is unchanging in that. He is. You know, Megan, I don't know about you, but you know, when we... When I walked through my divorce, and I know, I'm sure when you walked through yours, there was days that you were like, will I ever? Yeah. I remember having the conversation with my mom, literally sitting with her, just crying and saying, I am never going to be able to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like yeah. they're going to, like they're, this is the end of certain things as I know it. And yes. my mom looking at me and saying, it might be tough for a while but this isn't the end. And as much as I didn't believe her then, you know, I mean, not that I didn't believe her, but I had nothing to base that on, you know, like I had no experience of whether or not I really could do it. Yeah. Other than just spending those countless nights pouring over scripture Singing praise songs, worship yes. songs. Well, it's always in those moments that the enemy seems to, as I always say, pull up his little sermon notes and begin to preach to you messages of, it'll never be the same. You won't mm-hmm. make it. You can never be used in ministry again. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? Who's you failed. To you now? Yeah, you're yeah. just a statistic. I mean, these are the things that went through my heart. And I can remember telling an evangelist friend of mine, just really just weeping before him one day and just saying, how could God ever use me after walking through something like this? And you have to see this man. He's like six foot seven, six, nine, Gosh. 300 pounds, just a big man. I, I come to his shirt pocket. He calls me shirt pocket because I come <laughs> to the bottom of it. And he just grabbed me up real tight and he said, oh, sis, he said, you're just not qualified. You're just not qualified. And so I want to encourage you today that maybe if you've walked through something like that and the enemy's told you that you can't do ministry anymore, that you can't do anything like you were doing it before, man, that's just a lie and that you're just now qualified. And that, you know, your scars may not be everybody else's scars, but sometimes our scars uniquely qualify us for someone else to help Absolutely. them overcome. seems like a great place to stop today. We, um, we wanted to shut it down before we get into chapter four. Um, because next week, Eliphaz is going to jump into the conversation here. So we'll see how that goes, but, um, we hope that you guys are having a fantastic week and truly if you are going through, if you're 
if you're in the trenches right now, or if you are trying to crawl your way up the other side and you just need someone to listen, or you need like just someone to vent it all out to, please do feel free to uh, message us, email us. However you like, if you just want somebody who, um, you know, an unconnected, you know, party just to, to listen, we're happy to do that. We are happy to pray with you and would love to do that for you. So we will talk to you guys next week. Bye guys.